0: Welcome to Discovering You, a podcast that explores the intricacies of personality and how it impacts the way we navigate through life. What will you discover today? Hi, listeners. Hi, Heather. Hi there. Happy September. I'm excited to be back and I hope everyone enjoyed their summer. Heather, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm good. I said I'm excited to be back and I am because I did actually get validation of that on my mood meter, how we feel app. I was doing that as we always do in prep and I got excited. So I would say that's
1: on brand. How about you? I got focused on my mood meter today and I think that is perfect for today. I'm focused today because I'm going on vacation tomorrow.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: Do you find when you're
0: looking at the words that You might be thinking you're going to choose a certain word. And then when you put your finger on it and hover, you see the actual definition and it doesn't actually align to how you're feeling.
1: Yes, because sometimes I today I have a lot on the go. And so it took me a minute to find the one that made sense because I'm like, oh, I'm pressured, but that wasn't the right definition or I'm challenged because I'm going to be challenged to get everything done before we leave. But that wasn't right. Yeah. It took me a few to get to where my feeling matched what I thought the word should be.
0: Okay. Well, that's not just me because there's times, this isn't today, but for instance, a few days ago, I was going to select calm. (laughs) So I thought it was calm for me. And what it comes up for calm is feeling free of stress, agitation, and worry. So then I had to laugh because I don't know that that's ever me. So maybe it's just degrees of calm. Maybe it's Victoria calm. Versus regular calm. But I bring this up just again for our regular listeners. And certainly if we have new listeners, I think this highlights the importance of really being mindful and taking a moment to understand how you're feeling, because I think that informs how you're going into everything else that day, going into your meeting, your day. When you have that level of self-awareness, I think you're just setting yourself up for success. I got a new phone and you know what that's like, right? You're transitioning all these things. So I guess the app didn't show up and I hadn't done it for a while. And I certainly felt back to a couple of days where I was like, oh, maybe I should have done my mood meter or how I feel because maybe that would have been a little bit of a different outcome because clearly I was feeling something that I hadn't identified myself. And then I bring that baggage into that situation. Again, Just shout out to the whole How We Feel, Mood Meter, Robin Stern, Mark Brackett. This is an amazing tool. Not only do you use it at work, but you also use it in your personal life. That's my little piece on that. Today's episode, I'm going to talk about the importance of building a well-balanced team. But first, since it's back to school, back to work time, and for many, a return to their exercise regime. Here is DISC according to fitness. D weightlifting, competitive, results driven. High I is dance cardio, fun and interactive. High S is yoga, calm, mindful. High C is pilates, structured, precise. If you're a new listener or really just a reminder to our regular listeners, these analogies are designed to illustrate the essence of each factor. It doesn't necessarily mean that if you have a high D, you're going to lift weights. Although I do have several friends and clients who this matches perfectly. But for me, for instance, I don't like yoga and I'm a high S, although I do know I could benefit from it. What about you, Heather?
1: It does kind of fit for me a little Mm bit. We talked about this before we started recording, but I just recently started working out with a trainer Mm -hmm. and I really like the weightlifting part of it, but I don't know if it's just because I don't like cardio. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And I wanna like yoga. But I struggle with it.
0: I know, same. And I know it's so good for me. I got to do a better job of that. (laughs) Okay, so let's dive into today's topic. Creating and structuring a highly effective team. This is relevant across all industries in all roles, be it sales, management, service, tech, you name it. So everyone can find something here. As a team facilitator, I can attest to the importance and value in creating Developing and nurturing a cohesive team. Now, when I say team, what do you think of? How about you, Heather?
1: I think of work. And I know that that is not all encompassing, but I've never been someone who, like, I don't play team sports. I sort of played individual sports Hmm. growing up, but I can see how a team maybe is like a sports team. But I personally think of it in like a work context. It's like the people required. To get the job done, <laughs>
0: right, and it's interesting, right? Because I think a lot of us think, well, that's a basic question, but then also, we kind of have a hard time really defining it, right? Because when I asked myself that, I did. There is a significant distinction between a group and a team, and you want to make sure that you're operating under a team model. Here are some key categories to illuminate what that means. The source material I'm using comes from Bushholtz and Roth, who wrote "Creating the High Performance Team." Now, they list 13 categories of distinction between the two, but for brevity, I'm going to share the five that I think are most impactful in understanding the difference. The first category is goals. For a group, they're general and vague. For a team, they are specific and defined. Next is responsibilities. For a group, they're general or common. For a team, they are allocated and connected to specific roles. Accountability. For a group, it's vague and diffuse. For a team, it's mutual with performance goals. Communication. For a group, it's weak and not a priority. For a team, it's interactive and interdependent. And I want to take a second and emphasize this point. Interdependent means mutually dependent. The recognition that everyone needs each other in some regard is vital. And finally, integration of new members. For a group, it's just ad hoc. For a team, it's organized and strategic, which is a great example of where DISC and role factor theory come in. When you're building a new team, it's helpful to break out the DISC profile that aligns with the specific job requirements. If my clients give me a job description, I can create a job profile report, which maps out the essential skills and what the corresponding DISC profile looks like. This streamlines the hiring process because you've got the ability to hone in on exactly what you're looking for, and it enables you to make informed decisions. When adding to an existing team, knowing the team member's desk profiles and collective dynamic of the group gives you insights into what you may need more of or less of. Let's say the team is full of high D's and high I's, and one of the challenges they face is following through on long-term projects and maybe a lack of details. You'll know that a candidate coming in with a high C would add great value. I'll always counsel my clients to resist the urge to hire similar profiles. And why is this? To avoid blind spots and gaps. Because if you think about it, if everyone is problem solving the same way, you're going to end up with tunnel vision. We do need a combination of big picture thinkers, as well as detailed, specific ones. It's worth remembering that we learn from our differences and not our similarities. On an ideal team, You'll have all four dis factors represented, as well as the majority of team role factors. I've mentioned this a couple of times. Let me explain to you what role factor theory is. It states that when team members use their role factor strengths, they will work quickly, naturally, and with great satisfaction. When people are in their optimal roles, it enables team members to feel successful and valued. What are these roles? There are nine of them. A motivator. An anchor, a supporter, a specializer, a pioneer, an analyzer, a networker, an innovator, and a concluder. It's quite typical to have more than one role factor, and some of us can have up to three or four, especially if you're someone that has three high disc factors. I'm going to show you now how the role factors connect to the disc factors. If you know what your disc profile is, you'll be able to get a sense of what role factors you likely have at work. If you're a motivator, high I is a leading factor. Motivators draw out the talent in people. They create team spirit. They possess the ability to persuade others in order to maximize their contribution within the team. The anchor of the team. Well, that's high S as a leading factor. Reliable, a sense of what's achievable, feasible, and valuable. They possess good organizational strengths. They're prepared to work hard and tackle problems in a systematic manner. For the supporter and nurturer, we have a high S, high I combination. Encouragement, the ability to reduce tension, as well as a willingness to help members resolve interpersonal problems. High S's are good at that. Specializer, high C is the leading factor here. Quality, high standards, and hard work. Not a surprise, right? They possess a single minded attitude and commit themselves to becoming a technical specialist expert. Now we're going to look at the pioneer. Probably not surprising either that high D is the leading factor here. They're self-motivated, energetic, and an inner need to achieve. They're at their best when confronted. They thrive in pressure situations and generate action, and they're prepared to make unpopular decisions. You can see that one kind of stands out on its own, which, not surprising, is why it's called a pioneer. Analyzer. High C is the leading factor. Probing. Single minded evaluators of thoughts, ideas, suggestions, and information. They will consider all factors and make shrewd decisions. They often excel in areas involving strategic planning. Next is Networker. High eye is a leading factor. Great at making external contacts and searching for resources. They are adept at taking ideas, adding value to them, and enthusiastically seeking out opportunities for their use or implementation. An innovator is a high D and a high I combination. They have the ability to come up with innovative and creative ideas for new products and services, as well as those to reduce costs and improve performance. And finally, we have Concluder, which is a high S, high C combination, hard work, attention to detail, and fulfillment of promises. They are good listeners, they aspire to high standards, and they rarely start a task which they cannot finish you can see how those really line up with the disc factors. And again, this is something I do when running a team workshop. You know how there are nine role factors? (laughs) I couldn't help but be reminded of something else I discussed on one of our early episodes that also has nine categories. Listeners, I don't know if you have any ideas, but it's the Enneagram. And since that was our second most popular episode, I thought I would revisit it briefly and see if I could tie it in here. You know me at this point, I cannot help myself with this stuff. (laughs) I was fascinated to see if I could match it up. And guess what? There are a couple of minor disconnects, but overall, I think it works. Okay, here we go. Can you tell I'm excited? The first role factor, which is the motivator and high I, I connected it to Enneagram type 7, which is known as the enthusiast. That sounds about right. Enthusiast, motivator. This Enneagram type is optimistic, spontaneous, and fun-loving. Checks all the boxes for high-I motivators. And the celebrity example I used, you may remember, is Katy Perry. The next role factor is the anchor, which is high S. And the Enneagram match is type 6, the loyalist slash skeptic. They're responsible, supportive, they seek safety and security, so on brand for high-S anchors. The public figure for this type is Dr. Sanjay Gupta. For the supporter-nurturer role factor, which is a combination of high S and high I's, it's Enneagram type 9, the Peacemaker. They're described as pleasant, calm, easy to be around. Another great fit here. The person I used to exemplify this type is Barack Obama. Moving on to the specializer, high C role, I connected it to Enneagram type 3, the Achiever. This is one of the ones that didn't perfectly align, but there's definitely strong similarities. They're ambitious. They want to be seen as significant through their achievements. My celeb example is Taylor Swift. And this is timely, right? Is anyone else on a waiting list for the heiress tickets? I think this is a joke. I've seen a lot of memes on social media, but yes, I'm on a waiting list. Heather? (laughs) No, I am not on a waiting list. (laughs) Okay. Well, I also have a teenage daughter, so that probably plays into it. Next, we have the Pioneer and High D Roll Factor, which I match to Enneagram Type 8, the Challenger. This type comes across as confident, decisive, and in control. I would say this is a 10 out of 10 match for Roll Factor to Enneagram type. And the person I use to represent this is Serena Williams. Now we're at the Analyzer Roll Factor, which is High C. Can you guess which Enneagram type it's going to be? I'll give you a minute, listeners. If you guessed type one, the perfectionist reformer, you would be right. They are purposeful, self-controlled, and work to high standards. Words like responsibility and diligence are part of their everyday lives. The public figure for this one, a huge inspiration to me, is Brene Brown. Moving on to the networker high eye role factor. Can you guess? I've linked it to type two, the helper and giver. This Enneagram type is demonstrative, people-pleasing, and defined by their need to belong and to be loved by others. Drew Barrymore is my celeb example for this one. The second last role factor is the innovator, Heidi, and I've paralleled it with type four, the individualist. Fours have a strong sense of identity, are passionate, and enjoy having a unique and distinct individuality. I used Billie Eilish to represent this one. And finally, we have the concluder, the high S, high C. I paired it to Enneagram type 5, the investigator. Insightful, intellectual, analytical. They think extensively before speaking. are lifelong learners and subject matter experts. The example for this one is Bill Gates. Okay, phew, speaking of fitness, <laughs> that was a bit of an exercise. But what do you think, Heather? Did, did that align for you?
1: Actually, I think it did. I sort of self-diagnosed myself as a specializer in the team roles. OK. And I would agree that fit with my Enneagram type three, the achiever, the achiever. Yeah. In those roles, I feel like I fit in as the, the high C part of my personality and not the high D part of my personality.
0: OK. You don't see, I guess, the pioneer. You don't see that with yourself. I mean, you did start your own business.
1: It's interesting because I was thinking about it while you were talking and I was like, now it's just recently, though, that my business has a team. Yes. Okay. Yes. In my business, it works more as the pioneer side of it. But when I'm supporting other businesses, which is what the work is that we do.
0: Sure. Yes.
1: I feel like I'm the specializer part. Yeah. That's you. That's your disk profile, right? The high D and the high C. It's interesting to sort of dissect it like that. Yeah. Depending on what the team is. Does that True. play a role? Can you play different roles on different teams?
0: Hmm, that's a great question. I think you can because of the fact that we have multiple roles, especially when we have multiple disc factors. And yeah, sometimes if you have that tool in your toolbox, so let's say you're like an SCI, well, on one team or one situation, maybe your high S is being called upon and that's sort of what you focus I think it's nice to know that we all are capable of fulfilling several different roles. And if you recall back to the definition of role factor theory, it's really when the person is in an optimal position, they're using their skills and they're feeling that they're making a difference. And that helps them be connected and happy and work in their zone of excellence. I definitely think that can happen. For me, it did align. For role factors, I'm an analyzer, a specializer, and a concluder. And I am a type one Enneagram with some
1: three and some six. So, yeah, works for me. If you have multiple disc factors, like I have some teams that they already have a high D. So that part of my personality profile isn't required in that team. But then there's other teams where there isn't a high D. And so you sort of jump into that role. Yes, definitely. I think that's the thing. There's,
0: (laughs) You know, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Sometimes there's too many high D's in the meeting or on the team, especially if D is a secondary factor. Or in your case, I think yours are lined up almost even. But when it's not out by a mile, your leading factors. What's interesting to me when I'm doing team workshops is even if I have team members that have a high D, but it's the secondary, they are not listed as the pioneer. Sometimes it's the team lead and they're like, how can I not be the pioneer? And it's really specific in that D needs to be the highest one. Why is that? If you recall with the whole definitions of that is doing well when confronted and having to make unpopular decisions. That's a really unique position to be in and skill set. And you know what? Not every team has every single role factor filled. And that's okay. Some of them are more important than others. What I always say is if someone does have a secondary high D, it's kind of like a A gentle pioneer. (laughs) That's kind of good enough. But for reference, some of the ones that you definitely do want to have, I can tell you just from personal experience and history, a couple of teams that I worked with where there was a struggle, where there was really kind of something almost structural missing were teams that didn't have an anchor. And I think if you think about that analogy, that makes a lot of sense. Having the anchor is very important. Also having a concluder (laughs) because it's not good if you start a whole bunch of things and you can't finish them. And also a supporter. The supporter-nurturer plays a really key role too. You know, those ones are really super important to have well-represented. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time.
1: Building highly effective teams. In this foundational session, you will learn strategies for building a new team as well as enhancing existing teams. How to hire tactically and onboard new members. Intentional alignment build a team, not a group, the diverse role factors needed for a high-performing team. If you are interested in connecting with Victoria for team building, strategic onboarding, coaching, or speaking engagement, you can contact her at discoverwhatworks at gmail.com. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for joining us.
0: Catch you next time. This show is a Twisted Spur Media production. Produced by our very own Heather McPherson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with a friend and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.